We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on tonight and with uh, another guest who I am super excited to have back on. It's it's one of my best buddies, uh, Nick Izzo. Glad to have you back, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm pumped to be back. It's uh, This is awesome. This is going to be a good one. I'm very excited. Absolutely. And I mean, like, Thinking back to, looking back to when you were on last, it was episode 11. So it was at the very beginning of all this and NIL had just been introduced and you and I, as former college basketball coaches and everything, were really, yep. were really intrigued to see how this was going to go. So obviously we'll get into that in a little bit, but it, it uh, as we were kind of talking before we started, it's uh, definitely taken a turn to a place we didn't <laughs> Absolutely. see. <laughs> but uh, again, man, thanks for coming on. Hope everything's going well for you. Uh, uh, again, you want to tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I uh, Yeah, so uh, you know, I've known Bobby here for... Let's see if we do the math here. Probably about 15 years at this point. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I currently live in Myrtle Beach, uh, more of a college basketball background um, rather than college football. But uh, for a living, um, I'm a digital marketing consultant. So I work with a lot of primarily small businesses um, with uh, working on sort of their their digital presence. So a lot of times I'm looking at sort of the business side of sports. Um, everything that I've done, you know, in coaching basketball is I think more on the analytical side. And so that's kind of the way I look at a lot of this stuff. So the NIL stuff is incredibly fascinating to me. I, I cannot get enough of it. Uh, I know it's something we've talked about a bunch, but yeah, if, uh, if anybody uh, in this conversation, you know, you never know. I might throw a couple schools under the bus or something. You just never know. <laughs> if anyone takes offense, you can find me on Twitter at Coach underscore Izzo. Uh, but, yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, talk about all this stuff. I think it's it's crazy to see how much it's changed since the last time I was on. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is like when we were first on, like I said, it was like the infancy stages. Like it had just been introduced. Like in it or just allowed, I should say. I mean, it wasn't just introduced. It's been in the works for a long time, but just just crazy. <laughs> it is. It is. It's gotten to the, to, I think, a point where, to be honest, for a lot of casual people, it feels like they, uh, they've almost seen it as fans, maybe from more of a distance, like as if it's accelerated to the point where they might have thought it was going to end at. You know, like I think for a lot of people to, to wrap your mind around someone getting a million dollars, two million dollars, eight million dollars, right. as is rumored, right? Um, to go play college football just seems like it was probably the finish line. 
I think, in the minds of a lot of fans. And so the fact that we're already at this point, this thing is moving. It's not stopping. And it's absolutely the Wild West, man. It really is. It absolutely is. I mean, we were talking, too. I, I think this has turned into something that is worse than it was before. And and you and I are both proponents of athletes getting paid. And for sure. We're both for that. But I, I think it's... This has definitely turned into a lot more than a booster giving somebody uh, $75,000 in a car <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> exactly. It's it's definitely created, I think, a bit of a almost an unregulated market, I think, is the way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, now that they've opened it up, to me, it feels like uh, they're, they, they kind of pulled all the guardrails off when this thing started without any plan of putting anything else in place. And they don't really have the ability to right now either. And so now I think what you are seeing is like the most free market that you could find. Like this is very much an unregulated space entirely right now because to be honest, legally, they don't really have any any grounds to regulate any of it, right? These kids are making money from essentially businesses, and there's nothing they can really do about it. And it's, it's I think, starting to now get to the point where it is dramatically benefiting the teams with the resources and the capabilities to take full advantage of it, right? And so things are getting a little top-heavy at this point. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I mean, we both understand like this was started for athletes to for the athletes to be be the ones more so generating it or for, say, a local business to reach out. Like I live in central Illinois, one of the big hospitals around here, uh, Carl Healthcare reached out to Kofi Cokeburn from Illinois. Oh, yeah. To be to be a sponsor and they have them on commercials and this and that, like that's what this was set up for was something like that. And it's turned, what it's turned into is now schools paying every recruit or not schools, boosters paying every recruit to come to their program. Yeah, absolutely. And effectively there are now, I mean, almost an infinite amount of ways to get that money to those recruits, right? Right. Like I'm I'm in the digital media space and the reality is to start a company and file an LLC to have a media company, right? And have people put money behind that company, into that company to create content, right? Quote unquote. And uh, with these players, right? As a way to pay them is incredibly easy. It's incredibly right. simple. And that scenario is describing creating an entirely new entity, right? Mm-hmm. I think what's fascinating is these places where that infrastructure was already there. It's just now the booster that owns the car dealership doesn't have to find some sort of nefarious way to give right. these kids the money. He can just have you in, a, in an advertisement, like you said. And now all of a sudden, there's no middleman, right, which is... Which is allowing this to accelerate at a crazy rate Mm -hmm. i mean it's like like i said eight million dollars right um 
is is what we're talking now granted that's over four years but two million dollars a year for a college football player is now sort of the the going rate for the top kids right that's that's a quick change in all this absolutely i mean it just it just makes you wonder where like a a kid like arch manning is like what is he gonna get i mean just because of his name alone well, and, and now these kids are starting to look at that. So, you know, one of the clients that I have, you and I have talked about this, uh, uh, you know, I think on the last episode, but is um, a professional basketball training company, right? And they're training guys for the NBA draft. They're working with a lot of these elite prep players. And all of those prep players that they're dealing with now that are these higher level kids are all aware of what their like NIL worth is or the value of it rather. They're all aware. There are now websites not ranking kids on how good they are, but how much money they stand to make right. when they reach the college level. And that is going to become, I think, an industry in its own. Absolutely. Right? And similar to like the scouting services that you see, um, I think those rankings and sort of people being able to put these deals together for kids, I, that's going to become an industry of itself. And I think if that's able to mature enough, I don't know how they're going to stop any of this. I don't think they're going to be able to put the guardrails on at that point. Yeah, I don't think they can. I mean, they when this was created, they 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 basically put no structure to it, and they just said, "Okay, here we go," and and it, they they just opened Pandora's box, basically. Yep. I mean, it's and now you know it's. It's going in a lot of directions, right? Which I know kind of is another thing that we're going to talk about on here. But now the schools themselves and the conferences they're affiliated with have all this ability to try to get these kids, right? And they start thinking themselves as the money starts flying around. Hey, wait a second. Maybe we need to be in charge of our own thing, too. Right. NCAA isn't in charge of these kids anymore. Why are they in charge of us? Right. And I think that there's that's an interesting, you know, question that they are now looking at the NCAA and asking, I think, quite frankly, with a lot of the rumors that are coming out. Right. And and I think that's it's gonna lead to I mean, we all we have all kind of seen the demise of the NCAA coming, but I think it's going to like speed the process up. Right. Oh, for sure. And I think it's, I I think I was thinking about this earlier. I find it important for people to recognize that the demise of the NCAA, like, first of all, they are coming. Like, I I don't know if that's like a hot take. It's happening. Like it's it's happening happening in front of us. Absolutely. It is going to happen. College uh, athletics existed before the NCAA Mm -hmm. and will exist after. But I do think it's important for people to recognize that there is a difference between the NCAA sort of system of college football and the sport of college football, right? 100%. And I think I think it's it's you know it's something you and I talk about, but I just I w- I want people to understand that like this isn't the death of the sport by any means. If anything, this stuff is good for the sport, but. It is definitely the death of the current system or the system that's at least been in place up until now. And this is a new thing, and it's going to be a new thing. It just is. You're right. They're not going to be able to stop this. So, 
you know, I, I think at the end of the day, like, this is where we're at, and this is, we're going to keep heading in this direction. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's a good segue and transition into something that you and I have discussed for years and years and years is basically, and we're, we're kind of seeing it now with the, with the rumors that have come out of the SEC, uh, at least putting it on the table at the, at the meetings that they're about to have this summer about discussing creating their own playoff and their own system. And, uh, we've had many discussions about that sort of thing and some other things that go along with that, that we'll get into, but just what are, what are your thoughts on that? I guess. Yeah. So I think personally, I think the sec breaking off from, from a strictly a business standpoint makes a ton of sense for them. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it, it's a path that we've been heading down for a while now. Um, and I actually, I looked up, uh, uh, there's a couple numbers here I wanted to make a note of, because when I saw them, I thought it was kind of crazy. But I think it speaks to the fact that we were headed this way. Um, so during the the BCS era, right, 17 of the 32 teams that played in BCS National Championship games were from what will be the SEC when you add in Texas and Oklahoma, right? So if you added Texas and Oklahoma to the current SEC, 17 of the 32 participants, that's 53% of those BCS teams that were in the national championship game came from the SEC, right? Mm -hmm. That number went up since the college football playoff started. Now it sits at 56% of teams playing in the national championship game are from that conference, right? I think if you're the SEC, this was heading this way for a long time because, I mean, when when did the BCS start? I mean, that's like late 90s, right? Right, right. The the reality is, I mean, this was where it was going. Ever since then, statistically, the SEC has a team in the national championship game every year. Every year, yeah. Like one of the two teams every year. The other way to look at it and illustrate that point that I think is even crazier is statistically what this is like. This is like if every other season since the late 90s, the national championship game was two SEC teams playing each other. That's how ridiculous this, like, their dominance has gotten. Right. And so for them, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Like, you know, it's it's it, every possible like a business like any way i could look at it from a business standpoint i guess i it it just makes sense it really does there was a guy that um steve berkowitz i saw from usa today wrote an article last summer where he basically broke down a full analysis of the revenue that the ncaa makes if you just take out the sec plus texas and oklahoma and if you project that out to 2025 the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma would be equivalent to the revenue of the entire rest of the NCAA. Oh, my. With the way that the TV deals would project out if they were to break off on their own. And so, to be honest, I can't really find, like, a steel man argument for why they shouldn't do it. Right. You know? And and so, I think it's the real question is how long have they been planning to do it? Right. And I think that could get a bit conspiratorial, but 
I mean, in the last 10 years, the SEC, it, once again, if you, you know, you're, you're counting Texas and Oklahoma, right? If you're looking at it from that type of perspective, the SEC's added four teams in like 10 years. Right. That is fairly significant. It makes me wonder, were they having these conversations as a conference back in, what, 2012-ish, when they add um, Texas A&M and Missouri? It's it's an interesting thought experiment, I think. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean to me, like I think it goes back to that point about, you know, is it good for the NCAA? No, definitely not, right? right of course. Like is that good for the NCAA to lose, you know, their best teams? Right. I mean, these are these every season, four of the best ten teams of the country seem to come from this conference. Absolutely. That is very bad for NCAA football. But for the sport of college football, I think this only helps. Like, this is this takes the prominent 16 teams and puts them in the spotlight, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just think it depends. Like, if you're in love with the college football system that we have now, I don't think this is good, you know, for you probably. But at the end of the day, for the sport itself, I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I agree with you, I, and I think that's a great point that you bring up because it's something that I've thought of is how long has this thought or idea been thrown around by the SEC? Like you said, when they add Texas A&M in Missouri, especially when you add a brand like Texas A&M to, yep. to your conference, you, you have to then be thinking, hey, we can turn this into something something special. Because, I mean, even without Oklahoma and Texas, you can – make the argument that they should be their own thing but then you add oklahoma who is a perennial national championship contender every year then you add texas who obviously has the name brand and who's been there i mean it just it just is a no-brainer it does and i think the 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 reality is you know now that it kind of meets on both sides the football side of things makes sense because of how dominant they are and then that business side kind of now when you're looking at it, you're like, wait a second, 16 schools can make the same amount of money as the other 115 that are left mm-hmm. once you remove them? That's, that's unbelievable. That like, is. that's something that they obviously, they almost have a responsibility to do, right? If they were like a fiduciary institution and they had to do the best thing that would make the most money for them as a business they would be obligated to do this they would have to absolutely and so so, i mean you know i think at the end of the day having this how who does it hurt really right i mean the kids are almost now entering a feeder system to the nfl that sort of already exists but with this move would i think be supercharged and once again when you look at the timing of this, I just have to ask myself, wait a minute. The current college football playoff is negotiated until 2025. Yep. And that just so happens to be when you're going to add two gigantic college football institutions in Texas and Oklahoma that same year. Oh, this feels like it's been in the works for a while, mm-hmm. you know? And yep. so, I, I mean... It's it's fascinating to me, and I think hopefully we'll learn more of this. You know, as the years go by, more will kind of come out about the the maybe what happened here in the planning. But man, it is cool to see. 
Sounds like a great 30 for 30. Oh, I agree. I think I think uh, potentially what comes out of this, you know, uh, and I'm sure the drama that will come with it yes. <laughs> is, is going to be incredible. I mean, it's really going to be incredible. Two. And like I said, who's it hurt? Right. No, right. The NCAA, but that's it. <laughs> yep, yep, that is true. So there's, there's two points I want to make off of what you were just saying. Uh-huh. And one leads into our next topic. But the first one being 16 teams in the SEC is what, what it's going to be by 2025. You cannot tell me that in a year-to-year basis, the Alabama, Georgia, LSU now with Brian Kelly, you have Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin, Texas, if they become what we think they can become, Arkansas's become a pretty good team. South Carolina's on the rise. Uh, Kentucky has been amazing. Florida can be what they can be. Auburn is hit and miss. But who's to say that the four best teams in the country aren't those teams? <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, that's a great point. And in, and honestly, the anecdotal evidence from some of the last twenty years would say they are right. Absolutely. And then the next point leads into something that you and I, this is the this is one of the main reasons I wanted to have you back on because it's so timely, I think, with what's going on. But something that we've been talking about for probably 10 years or so is the feeder system. Oh, yeah. Um, you and yep. I have discussed this at length many times about, from, from more of a basketball perspective, because that's our background, but, yep. but why can't, why can't some of these schools just become the let's let's use a term that we're used to the d league or the g league right for the nfl because the nfl doesn't have that feeder system like the nba and major league baseball have yep so so why why wouldn't the university of michigan become the detroit lions feeder system i mean it, it makes all the sense in the world right it's it's there. It's not like that doesn't exist in something like European soccer in right. a more formal way. And we've talked about that before, how mm-hmm. that, you know, like that system of identifying the talent early and bringing them in, you know, to the system early on. It, it's, it fits. And now you have a financial piece that is similar to that, right? Those kids do make money. The baseball players that get drafted at, you know, 16 years old 17 Mm -hmm. years old from you know all over not only this country but internationally a lot of younger players come internationally into baseball and they get paid you know um not a ton of money but an amount of money they can certainly live on through the duration of their minor league career um as they work their way up and now with the nil deals that's in place too i mean it kind of seems like just almost like it's it's right in front of them. They just have to do it. You know, they just kind of have to to just decide we're all right, we're going to go for it. Now, I think that's when a purist of the college football fandom comes in and now college football is changing drastically at that point. It is. It is. And I think um I think that would be tough, right? I do think there would be a heavy amount of resistance there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you were to go to a full fledged feeder system. But my thought, and I guess, you know, a counter to that is, isn't that kind of already happening True. in a way? In a way. And especially going to happen if the SEC 
breaks off. It won't happen in the sense of like a formal tie between the college and the pro team. Right. But the SEC will now be even more of the sort of pool of draft players that teams want to pick from than it is even now. Right. Like, and I, I was looking at that too. I wrote that down as well that um, 39% of first round picks in the last five years were from the SEC. 39%. And that's, but the SEC and only makes up 12% of the FBS schools. Is that not counting Oklahoma and Texas, too? That is counting Oklahoma okay. and Texas, okay. yep. Okay. That but would still, be counting them way. as well. But that's but then if you count Oklahoma and Texas is where you get to a statistic like, also, four of the last five number one overall picks mm-hmm. came out of what will be the SEC. Right. So... You know, when you've got almost 40% of first-round picks coming from one conference, it already is somewhat acting like a feeder system. Mm -hmm. You let them kind of break off with the NIL stuff, a little more formality to that. That's what that'll become. And I think there's anecdotal evidence, too, just as like a Packers fan. Because as a Packers fan, I watched the draft the last two years. The Packers have had uh, three first-round picks in the last two seasons. And all three of those picks, they selected a defensive player from the University of Georgia. Not a bad place and to start. <laughs> so, you know, right there, to me, that's a feeder system, you know? like It's because that, of the logo. That is, I mean, think about it, right? It's, it's literally, the logo is the same. And they're taking all their, I mean, that is as close to a feeder system as you're going to get, right? right? And I think it, it matches a little more of that G League feel, right, where you can kind of sign guys from any of the teams. Um, like, you can, it's, it's a little more open than baseball, where it's, like, a lot more formal with the contracts and the trades and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a little more movement in the NBA. So I think it's more similar to that. But that's what it will become. Because all of the sudden now, the SEC has its own league with its own giant pile of revenue right. and tons of money can now pay all of the best kids. They will start identifying, and they already do, but they will start being able to keep all of the top 300 players in right. the SEC every year. Right. And, and, I, think, and I think a point that we need to make with this still, though, uh, is... I think we both agree with this is football with the age requirement of having to stay, be three years removed from high school. I I think that we are both in agreement that that still needs to be put in place. Like you shouldn't be having an 18 year old in the NFL. Right. I mean, you're just not physically ready, but for sure. But this, the system that could be set up with this and with the NIL money, like you're saying, I mean, it sets up really well for these athletes to be able to provide for their families and do what they need to do until they're ready. Right. Well, I wonder if, you know, at some point, a lot of that would be on the the NFL, right. To partner with the college situation. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I, I don't think there's anything now at this point, legally preventing the NFL from giving the sec money if they wanted to. I mean, like, the the amount of money that can flow to the kids to just go into the sort of feeder program is is just unlimited. It can come from anywhere. You know, the NFL can turn this into whatever they want. Like once they can get the NCAA out of the way, for example, in the SEC's case. Absolutely. And side note to this, 
<laughs> Does this lead to lead to Vanderbilt being kicked out of the SEC? <laughs> I mean, so here, so that's that. I think is an interesting question. I was kind of thinking about that earlier, but but my first thought is, well, the SEC is leaving all of college sports. Right. You know, like essentially by doing this, even if they didn't want to, the NCAA is not going to like let them. You know go into just be in March Madness anyway, right? That seems fairly unrealistic. True. Like, they, they are sort of breaking off. And those total revenue numbers um, that I was looking at are accounting for all of the sports, like, at those schools. So it's not just football. It's just that, unfortunately, the sports where they make the most money are, you know, football, men's basketball. It's kind of a small segment of the sports offered but they're all gonna have to go and vanderbilt has a hell of a baseball team absolutely and florida has a great baseball team and the sec has very competitive college basketball teams every single year and they've been getting players drafted recently very highly every single year and they are starting to separate themselves i think in more places than just football and they probably feel perfectly fine with that too I, I think that's a great point that you just made because I, I know I said Vanderbilt, but <clears throat> I mean, like you said, Vanderbilt baseball is unbelievable. They won a national title a couple years ago. And yep. SEC baseball as a whole is amazing. And like you said, basketball, they've become, men's basketball, they've become really good. And women's, yep. women's basketball, women's basketball they are the yep. best conference. Like, it's not even debatable. Yep. Women's soccer, they typically have good teams. Women's volleyball, they typically have good teams. Track, Golf. track, they dominate. I mean, yep. It, I mean, it's just a whole thing. They have, they, they have created a situation. I think with the Texas Oklahoma edition, where they've kind of blocked off giant segments of the country and said, you know, these are the schools with the best coaches and the best athletes in all of these sports. Right. You know, these are the states that are producing the highest caliber athletes in these sports, and we don't really need the rest of you, is kind of what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And whether that upsets someone or not, it's hard to argue it's, against it. There's a, you can't really make an argument against it. Yep. It's, 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 I think, like I said, I think it's just been heading this way for a long time, you know, and I think even the schools that can't exactly thrive in football, I mean, I, first of all, I think they all get better. Right. They've all certainly over the years just hired coaches from each other, so that's not really going to be an issue ever. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating, but some of the schools that struggle in some areas, yeah, they're just great in others. South Carolina has struggled a little bit, right? I say that currently standing in the state. But it's just true. They have struggled lately on the football field. Right. But women's basketball is the pinnacle. Absolutely. Vanderbilt. You know, there's all these examples. Does the SEC need the NCAA? After 2025, I don't think so. I couldn't agree more with you. Because They probably don't need them right now, but right. definitely not after 2025. When, when I first heard the rumors of this, at, at first, I was like, "Oh no, this is this isn't good." But then I thought about it for five minutes, even, and it was just like, "Why wouldn't they?" For so many of the reasons that you've already pointed out, but it just is like, 
I mean, we look at it from a college football perspective because that's where the most revenue is coming from and everything. Right. But we've already said, like, every other sport, they're doing just fine or excelling in those sports. Yeah. No doubt about it. Like, they they have set themselves apart. They really have. And now they have an opportunity to do something special with it. Absolutely. You know, I, I think the... the thing that's kind of interesting moving forward is how quickly does like the big 10 do the same thing right you know the big 10 and the acc are certainly more comparable to the sec i think than the pac-12 and big 12 overall right right um and so you really and once again this is what i said uh, at coach underscore is if you're upset pac-12 and big 12 fans but what I mean, there's really three super power five conferences, right, you know, is right. what it kind of feels like, to be honest. And that's not, I'm not trying to take away from the other leagues, but there is a difference. Like, if you go look at the numbers, there just is. Well, and so the ACC has kind of a monopoly on college basketball. Shouldn't they consider doing the same thing for that purpose? Mm-hmm. You know, like. Their college football teams are also solid, but, I mean, we've just sort of seen the Big Ten and the ACC have been in in a 20-year window. They've struggled against the, the SEC. Right. Now, more recently, you have a Clemson football team that was able to compete. Right. At a very, very high level, you have an Ohio State team, a Michigan team, uh, even Penn State and Michigan State more recently. But if we look back over, you know, more than the last five, six years, it's tougher to find it. Right. Um, But I just think, you know, at the same time, they probably feel like, all right, we should just do the same thing. Which, which leads to something that I've long stood by is that there, there is going to be another huge shift in conference realignment in the, in the near future before 2025. Right. It, it just, there, there's too much at stake for so many of these other conferences. And, and I even think the SEC is going to add some teams, especially if they're going to go create their own thing. What What's stopping the SEC from saying Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, like the big brands? What's stopping yep. them from saying, you come with us, let's do our own thing? Yeah, I mean, nothing really, right? Notre Dame, potentially, right. yes, if they ever need to. Absolutely. Which, without the SEC being involved in college football, they kind of have to. Right. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Because I, I, because I think partially one of the biggest hurdles with this is some of the rivalries and how much they mean to the actual sport and the schools. Right. Because do I think that they mean enough where, like, South Carolina is like, no, we shouldn't do this because they want to play Clemson every year. Uh, no, right? right? Like, I, I do think money talks at the end of the day in that regard. However, how, you're only missing a few of those rivalries anyway because most of these teams ca- have their rivals right there within the SEC. Right. So, you know, maybe you do snag, you're right, Clemson, maybe a Louisville. You know, maybe you round out a couple more of these regional rivalries and you're right a 24-team conference that sort of exists within its own self as a top 25, basically, right, would be amazing. 
because like we've already said, realistically, the national champion is going to come from that group anyways. Yep, yep, exactly. And it's what my argument always was at the, and still is to this day about the playoffs, which is, I think the the valid argument against playoff expansion is you've never watched a season of college football in your life and thought the number eight team had a shot at the national title. Absolutely. And in my opinion, in as physical of a sport as college football, we all saw Jamison Williams go like Williams. We we we've just seen Maurice Claret. Like we've seen injuries. Mm-hmm. I guess is my point. Yep. We've seen devastating injuries, right, in very important games, but those same injuries could happen in less meaningful games, right? Right. And I don't know that I want to see a 1-8 matchup lead to the same injury that I saw in the national championship game. Right. Because a I, year ago. I think we both agree if Jamison Williams stays healthy, Alabama wins the game. Exactly. And I think that, that injury that he sustained could – could have happened in the one versus eight matchup, right. and I don't know who the eighth team in the country was at the time of the playoff last year. But does anyone here think they were within four touchdowns of Alabama? Probably not. Right. Maybe three touchdowns. Agama, you know. But like, well, let's at let's the end just, of the day, let's say what a, the fourth the fourth seeded team, Cincinnati, was three touchdowns away. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, I I that's why I've been against expansion. You know, in the in and why I still am, but I think that that argument of the SEC being these sixteen teams at first maybe expanding, but these sixteen teams—I mean, those are the best teams, right? They just are. And look, I get it. Maybe the maybe the third and the fifth team in the SEC are 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 not as good as the third and the fifth, but like realistically speaking. This group is who it's going to keep coming from. Let them do their own thing if they can make the same amount of money. I mean, I just, at this point, can't see another path. (laughs) Right. I agree with you. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be cool because a lot more opportunities start to happen, right? Like I said, you know, um, I look back on the time where ESPN did a great documentary series the year that, um, Kentucky had Nerlens Noel and Ryan Harrow, I believe, was the point guard. Um, they did a, a like almost like a reality series on Kentucky basketball, and I, I believe that series got shut down like four years in because they said it was an unfair advantage. <laughs> um, the NCAA said it was like an unfair advantage to Kentucky in recruiting, right? And now, in especially the world that we live in, where content is king, yes. I mean, stuff like that, not not having the NCAA there to prevent something like that from happening is going to be even more lucrative and bring even more money and even more NIL deals and all that stuff to what will become the premier league with all the premier players. And there we go. Right. And they aren't going to be barred by these rules, right? Like why would Kentucky necessarily have to have the kids go to class for this certain amount of time and maintain this certain GPA if the NCAA isn't involved. That's a whole other thing in itself right there. (laughs) They become their own police in a sense, Right. right, as the SEC. The SEC and the teams and schools within it will have to decide what they deem fair and acceptable 
and they'll obviously want to be able to oversee each other to some degree, right? Right. But, you know, until they put some rules and parameters on it, it's it's going to be pretty much, once again, like we've talked about, the Wild West. They'll have to say, all the times you hear about an NCAA rules violation compared to, like, a team rule violation, all those are out the window now right. when they leave. That's something those I aren't didn't real. think of. Was, so was then, you know, the SEC commissioner now takes on the role of the president of the NCAA, basically, right. in, in their now co- their conference. But they get to reshape everything. They can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. They can change the rules of the sports. I mean, that's another thing. Not barred by anything from changing the the you know catch rule in college football. Now you have to have two feet in because it is more similar to the NFL, and we are preparing guys for the NFL at this level, right? That's the way they'll market it. That's the way they'll set themselves apart. The college basketball teams, okay, adopt a twenty four second shot clock. Adopt the NBA three point line because you can. You don't have to worry about now. Unfortunately, you know, at, this is just a thing, right? You don't have to worry about, oh, man, like these schools that have 3,000 students in the Northeast, some of them, who are a Division One basketball team, but have to be able to afford to do a lot of any of the changes the NCAA would want to make, right? Mm-hmm. In, and if they can't, then you can't really make those changes right now. Because everyone needs to be able to be in the same situation. The SEC by itself, 16 massive universities. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. That's that's a great point. And I, like I said, that's not something I thought of. But you're, you're exactly right. I mean, nothing's stopping them from saying, for implementing anything. I mean, from rule changes, like you're saying, that goes more to like the professional sport ranks to... I mean, I don't think they'd ever say, oh, you don't have to have a GPA, you don't have to go to school, but right. But it, it, it opens that up at least. Yeah, certainly. I mean, a part-time student could be a college athlete, you know, in that setting. Yeah. It could be, you know, take one class. They could do whatever they want on that front, you know? Mm-hmm. And in a weird way, the kids get paid, but the school saves money. Like in a lot of these situations, because if the kids aren't necessarily going to be required to do the same situations in the dorms or the class, you know, go to the same amount of classes as the like, the schools are going to be spending less money on that stuff. Players with NIL deals want to go get their own apartment, no room and board here, you know. Mm-hmm. And so once again, I just keep finding scenarios where, like it or not, right? I, you're right when you say the college football purists are going to be mad. I think, of course, they are. But I just, there's nothing they can really do about it because this is just putting money in everyone's pockets. And so it's very difficult to prevent that. And I want to tie this into something that I think is going to happen. And that, that it's kind of leaned towards already. But I think college football is going to become, basically the power five will be its own thing. But it looks like the SEC will be its own thing. So it might be the Power Four is its own thing. Right. And then the G5s are their own thing. I, I think so, too. I think, that, I think that the appetite of fans is not necessarily there. Um, 
out outside of those really really big schools and those really big matchups, mm-hmm. right? I think that people like the pageantry of it, um, and they enjoy college football and they love to see an upset. They love to see people storm the field, but at the end of the day, they're there for you know the team they root for, those right. big fan bases, um, and then they just want to see the best teams play the best teams, right? Like at the end of the day. That seems to be what the fans are looking at, and that does leave a lot of the small schools kind of out, right? Doesn't mean that those schools aren't going to have players that can be impacts in the NFL. It doesn't mean that those schools don't have really good football teams and really good coaches. But I think that those those other Power 5 schools, especially the ones at the bottom of their conferences, and the, the smaller schools in general, right, we're both fans of Coastal, those types of schools probably just turn into now the second layer of the feeder system. They will probably feed into the SEC. Right. I, I agree with that. And so that's good. I think that's natural and it'll make sense as it kind of gets worked out. But at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. You're right. Like it probably does become sort of these separate tiers almost. It's it's just tough because I wonder to myself like man without without those buy games like where do those go? What happens to some of these smaller programs? True. What happens to some of those FCS teams right now that are like on the fringe because they need those Power Five games? Yep. They need that yep. guaranteed money to survive. Yep. Definitely. And their players need, you know, like some uh, some of the film, right, that comes from those games and yeah. stuff. So they get they maybe get hurt, you know, when I keep saying like who gets hurt in this. Maybe, maybe some of those smaller school kids, but at the same time, like I said, I think it creates a feeder system for them a little bit too. Right. Which is, you know, the SEC can kind of recruit everybody if they're a different thing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe the Big Ten is also a different thing. They kind of can recruit everybody. So those those kids that are at an FCS school, maybe now you get more eyes on you. You know, maybe now, you know, these coaches that are sort of changing things with more eyes on the SEC, they also have to, you know, teams got to be competitive right now. This will make things turn over quicker, I think, in the coaching world and stuff. Maybe some of these guys from these lower-level schools do get pulled up that are doing exceptionally. Maybe it becomes a little less of the good old boys club because it's like, no, 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 there's only 16 of us. Like, we got to win this thing, man. We can't finish 12th. Like, everybody's gone if we finish 12th. Like, let's, no, no, no. Like, we got a bunch more eyeballs on us now that we decide to be our own thing. Bring in some new people. So maybe it does help them, but yeah, I guess if i got to find somebody that it hurts now that we're kind of talking it through, the small schools, it, they, some programs are going to shut down, honestly. Right. That's... Not tomorrow. Right. But maybe in the next six years, yeah. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I mean, and I think that leads to, or kind of correlates with something we were already, that I talk about a lot, is the expansion. I mean, if if the SEC does its own thing, they bring some other teams with them like we talked about. And then, of course, it's a trickle-down effect when those teams leave that conference. The other conference is going to add more teams, so then some of those FCS teams get pulled up, which we've already seen with James Madison and 
Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State getting pulled up from the SCS just the, this coming year or next year. Yep. So, I mean, I, I think there's even more of that to come. Yeah, it's, it's because, you know, now it'll create sort of a vacancy in a lot of places. You know, this shifting keeps happening, and maybe some of these conferences do think, let's just grow out of it. Maybe we get too big, right? That maybe is our, their, their thought process, right? They, get, they try to get as big as they can mm-hmm. as, like, some sort of way to kind of keep themselves alive. Right. You know, and so, yeah, why not? Let's get these guys. I mean, think about it right now. The Big 12 will lose two teams. They get, they're they're going to be the Big 12 with 10 teams mm-hmm. if they don't figure something out by 2025. Right, and that's I mean, the, the good thing for them is adding Cincinnati, BYU, uh, Houston. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, I still think that, that they're going to – there's – other teams that they're going to add. For sure, because now the number will probably be 16, right? Right. You're not, you're, you're, because everybody there is hyper competitive. All those athletic directors at all these schools, the conference commissioners at all these conferences, the Big Ten, I think, feels like it's right there. You know, it, it has to feel like it is right there with the SEC. Mm-hmm. It's not, exi- but it's the only conference that can at least make an argument like, I, we're still here, you know, like we're still usually around mm-hmm. in some capacity in all these sports as well. Right. So I think for, and they have the history, right? You know, you have, like I said, when we start going back 20 and 30 years, but you, you do have those teams, right? You do have all the different Ohio State teams. You do have some of the Michigan, the Penn State team. Like, they're, they probably feel like they're there, but everybody now is just going to be chasing the SEC then. Right. And trying to become, you know, 16 teams. Can we match their revenue on our own? Can we go do this thing on our own? I mean, you're going to need schools for that. Which... Which leads into a side note for a lot of my listeners being UConn faithful. That's where you guys come into the picture. Yep. Right there. Yep. I mean, for sure, because, like, now, you know, uh, well, like what we were talking about, it's all sports. So you're getting everything when you bring one of these schools in, and you're going to need everything because if you guys go out on your own, you're on your own, mm-hmm. you know? So you're looking for big – I think you're looking for the biggest – you know, healthiest schools that you can find. Big athletic departments with championship success in different programs. UConn is exactly that, right? Right. That's, I mean, they are exactly that. And so, yeah, I think they become super attractive to, like, all types of conferences. You could have almost, like, weird bidding wars trying to get some of these teams to come in. I agree. Because there's only how many big fish left now that you get rid of, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, how many big fish are left that haven't moved recently? Recently, maybe the last 10 or so years, right? Right. right. There's not that many, you know, a lot of them are starting to move or they seem permanently cemented, you know? Right. It's why the West Coast fascinates me. Yeah. It's, they're almost just, they almost have to just do their own thing, like, because they're just, it's so separate. It is. It is. They are. They are. They would almost be better off, sort of going and getting the best, you know, and brightest in whatever way they could. 
right? Some sort of conference that included like Gonzaga and, you know, so you could get that on that side of things, that basketball side of things, but also has USC football in it. Right. Is, is an interesting thing, right? You start piecing them together. That's the other thing about the SEC. They kind of have everything. Right. You know, where's the SEC school that's like kind of like an outlier? Like, oh, they don't have this sport or that sport. They're huge athletic departments. Right. And that's what people are going to be looking for, again, to your UConn point. Right. I, I couldn't agree more, man. And this this discussion, it, like, I, like I've said, it's a discussion we've had many times. And I'm glad that we were able to uh, – have this so the listen my listeners can can kind of hear this because it's uh it's something we've been discussing for a long time yeah it is and i think uh it's cool to kind of see it play out you know i feel like we uh we were able to predict a little bit of it a little and, bit yeah you know i think now now we'll see how it actually all plays out right um when the rubber meets the road but yeah, it's it's going to be fun to watch. I know that much. Definitely a, a time they'll be looked back on historically as maybe the biggest change in college sports that that has ever happened in terms of just shifting the direction of things. You know, I think uh, I, I'm sure it was crazy when they went to the BCS computer yeah. and the college football playoff felt pretty wild at the time. But I think whatever spawns out of this is is probably going to be looked back on that. Oh, that was the origin of everything we have now. Right. You know, when you're 50 years from now looking back. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> Again, thank you, Nick, so much for coming on. It's always, yeah, thank it's always you. a blast, man. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It's, it's the best, dude. I, I dig it. It's uh, You do a great show, and I think... Um, for, for everybody out there, it's it's unique, man. Where else do you get to kind of see these type of things get just kind of talked about, right, in this way? You know, I don't know you're going to, you know, have a lot of coaches that you have on say these things, right? right. You know, obviously. And they shouldn't, right? Like, right, yes. Obviously. Do what is best for you and your career, obviously. Absolutely. But, you know, I'm glad that, you know, we can kind of come on here and just, yeah, just kind of chop it up about this stuff, man. It's been fun. Absolutely. And, again, let the listeners know where they can uh... – can reach out to you yeah yeah if you guys um are interested just uh like at uh coach underscore Izzo uh on twitter that's probably the best way to reach me just like shoot me a dm um i would say that's that's probably the best way um for people to reach out and and i will throw a plug in for you that uh nick is great at graphic designing and doing all those kind of things i mean if you need help there he's your man yeah, absolutely. Anybody that needs any any help in that sort of digital uh, world, you know, like I said, I work with a lot of small businesses. Um, so anybody that's anybody, yeah, anybody I can can absolutely help out, reach out. Like I said, just shoot me a DM on Twitter, and uh, you know, I'll see what I can what I can help you with. Awesome, man! Again, thank you so much for being on the show. And yeah, absolutely, thank you. To my listeners, thank you guys so much for listening, continuing to listening, uh, and just everything that goes on with this. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Uh, you can always reach me personally at coach underscore B will then the podcast Twitter account at TNT college foot one. Uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a good night. God bless. <laughs>